the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Good day. Depending on where you are, I suppose. Hopefully everything's going financially okay for you. A phone call that I kind of want to recap a little bit. And uh, I think this is always helpful on occasion. I was talking to a 45-year-old woman who works at a corporation, and they've asked me to come take a flight, stay at a hotel, talk to their employees. About 100-plus employees. It's not a big affair, per se, but that's fine. Um, <clears throat> I was like, what do you want me to talk about? She's like, well, whatever you want to talk about. Like, you do you best. You know, I know. Okay, I'm good with that. <clears throat> I'm like, well, what type of employees do you have? And I said, I could, like, talk about, you know, investing in your 20s, investing in your 30s. Um, pushing retirement. And she's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my boss has said something about four generations. I'm like, four generations? I can only really think of three that we want to address right now. There's like eight-year-old kids that should be a fourth generation. Not a lot of them probably work. <clears throat> so generation Y, you know, 18 to 35-year-olds, generation X, 35 to 45-year-olds, roughly. These are all rough. And the baby boomers, the 50 to and up group. And she says, okay, yeah, 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 that sounds more right. I said, okay, let me show you what I do. <clears throat> like, here's 10 things you need to do in your 20s. The first and foremost important one is have a marketable skill. Working in a pizza hut, um, working for minimum wage, not much of a marketable skill. So working at retail, it's okay. I mean, retail could maybe, maybe get that manager position, which could turn into like a regional manager position, maybe, but not much of a marketable skill. Number two, you want to have a budget. If you have a paycheck and you're working because you have a marketable skill, then you want to be able to figure out how much of that you're going to have when all is said and done. Number three, you want to save 15% of your money. 
I know that's almost impossible to tell someone in their 20s to save 15% of their money because you really, your 20s is all about pursuit of the other sex and dominance of the other sex. And to do that, you do it with clothes. Sometimes you do it with trips. Sometimes you do it with, you know, style, restaurants, what have you. You want to get insured. The last thing you want to have happen to you in your 20s is to be in a car accident and not have the ability to earn money. I'm not talking about the insured, like car insurance if a tree branch falls on your car. I'm talking about disability insurance, where if a tree falls on your leg and you can't ever work again, then basically you're going to live with your parents until they die, and then that's not good. Um, That's what we learned on today's show. A very special Ron Black in your money. Um, You know, Obamacare. Now you legally have to get health care, and I think that's a good thing. Because I don't know very many 20-year-old people who get massively sick. Um, but it happens. I was talking to a guy my age yesterday, and he talked about how one of his friends died. I'm like, don't tell me stuff like that, because that's my age. And he's like, oh, no, 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 he was a hard drinker. I'm like, don't tell me that, because I'm a hard drinker. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 he did hard drugs. I'm like, don't tell me that. <clears throat> anyway, um, in your 20s, you want to make a, a debt repayment pl- program plan. Um, you've probably come through high school, college. If you went through college, you probably have some debt, whether it's credit card debt or if it's student loan debt. You want to start paying that down. And yeah, if that means living at home for a year, I'm fine with that. Um, you want to get an emergency fund going. You know, this is real simple stuff where if you do lose your job, you've got two to six months to live off of it without having to go back to live with mom and dad. You've got two to six months to live off of it without having your car repossessed. Um, because it typically takes you about two to six months to find a job. You know, saving for retirement when you're young. If a 25-year-old saves just $100 a month and gets an 8% return, you're going to have $346,000 by the time they turn 65. Just $100 a month. And getting the typical market return. Um, it's pretty easy when you're young. When you're old, it's pretty tough to do. Uh, the... On my list is starting to establish credit, you know, in your 20s. It's important. It's interesting because I think we live in a society that people are f- afraid of credit cards. Um, the length of your credit history accounts for about 10% of your FICO score, the most widely used model. But if, you know, I wouldn't stress too much about your credit score. I would start thinking about your credit score. I would start establishing some lines of credit. Um and, you know, there's smart lines of credit, there's dumb lines of credit. Buying a new car and paying, you know, 0% interest for five years, I'm fine with. Um, I'd prefer you buy a used car, but if you're going to do a mistake like buying a depreciating asset, I hope you're going to finance it as smartly as possible. Um, you know, the last piece of advice I have for the 20s, or maybe three more pieces of advice, is like... Quit relying on mom and dad, because mom and dad aren't always going to be there, and mom and dad need to take care of mom and dad at some point in time. So cut the cord, you know. Uh, Cut the cord on the car phone, or on the car, on the cell phone, home, everything, insurance. Start putting it in your name. This is a big one, your online presence. Clean it up. Um, In this day and age, there's no employer who doesn't try to look at your Facebook page or Google you or do something along those lines, if they're supposed to or not. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, employers were saying, look, give me your Facebook password. I want to see what, you know, what you're all about. And yeah, you know, you're in a job interview, you're going you're gonna to get that. 
Um, <clears throat> this Sony hack of 2014, the one that I'm talking about with the president of Sony's emails, where she basically makes racist remarks about President Barack Obama, you know, she comes on and she says, I don't want my 30-year career ruined because of these emails. You know, um, well, don't put stuff in emails that can come back to haunt you. It's that simple. And I know we all have this right to think that we're going to be private, but come on. Um, you know, divorces, 50-plus uh, percent in Italy, they're citing Facebook. You know, I saw the number similar to that in the United States a couple of years ago, but I, I haven't seen that number in a while. But I just recently heard about Italy, and, like, you know, Facebook gets you in a lot of trouble. I mean, I don't know. So get your financial documents in order, you know. Uh, sort of a financial minder. These are all real simple things. Let's bring on Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Any of those? Were you adhering to any of those in your 20s? Yeah, you know, the industry that I'm in, I deal with a lot of those. You know, dealing with younger people trying to buy a house and looking at where did my down payment come from? Um, how how do I establish credit or what can I do to fix it? So, yeah, every, every single one of those things hits home. Um, obviously, I work more with people who have you know, credit and things that they need to do to fix them. And, um, and I just say start early. Start early on everything because uh, this is going to keep getting harder and harder and harder. Every year we have to do uh, testing to, to keep up with all of the regulations that are changing. And, and, uh, and, and we look back at some of the, the, the things that have changed. And it's just getting tougher, and it's going to continue getting tougher for people to get mortgages. And, and the only way to combat that is to have better credit and better down payment and be well prepared. So in, and it's in my industry, of course. I'm with you. We'll talk about these type of topics and more. You can find Tony. He does loans at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlack.com. I always have events coming up, a webinar coming up sooner than later. You can sign up for it at RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Got Tony Mendez in studio. Hi, Rob. Hi. Uh, keys, refis. Let's talk a little bit about refis. Uh, what is a refi, and who are doing refis, and what's the market look like these days? Well, refinances, you're refinancing your current loan into a better term or a different term or for whatever reason that you need to do it. And there's many reasons why people refinance. But when rates drop like they have been over this year, um, people are, are curious. Does it make sense? 
you know, most of the people that are refinancing anyways, like one third of them are going into shorter terms. That's a statistic that Freddie Mac says, you know, this is what people are doing. So the rest of the two thirds out there are, are trying to figure out if they can lower their payments. And it could be for multiple amount of reasons. Um, you know, they just, they have a kid going to school and they need to refi to have their lower payments or uh, they want to drop their rate or um, they want to take some cash out and buy an investment property or do something else. I mean, there's so many reasons why you refinance, but what, what happens when rates drop is all of a sudden you'll start getting more mail. Rob, I know you probably get it. Uh, some Somebody goes to the, down to the county and they get public record and they see that you have a, a mortgage at a certain rate. And when rates drop below your certain rate or get close, they send you stuff, something in the mail. Uh, and they start promoting something, you know, like, oh, you may qualify for this program. Or this program. And what they're doing is trying to get you in the door and they're going to try to get you to refinance. There's not a large uh, benefit to borrow or for somebody to drop an interest rate if they've refinanced in the last year, even by a whole point in some cases. It really depends on how long you stay in the property. But w- w- what I'm trying to say is that not all of these companies are going to do an analysis on you that's going to benefit you. It's usually to benefit them. So you have to be really careful about who you're looking at as far as refinancing. Uh, we do really good analysis for people, and we look at short-term, long-term, you know, payback periods, and should you pay points, should you not pay points. Uh, did you pay cost on your last loan? And then you're refinancing. You don't get to – you're going to actually assume those costs. So there's so many things that go into a refinance, and, and really the people who are doing it – uh, obviously, the people who have equity, because that really is in good credit and good income, because those are the, the key factors in getting that best rate out there for that refinance to make sense. Um, but there's still a lot of people, Rob, that, that have negative equity that, that either haven't or tried to use the HARP programs, the, the um, government-funded programs that kind of like an automatic qualifying type of situation. But, um, you know, they're not always the best rates and not always the best terms and not always the best benefits. So, again, it's you have to be really careful about what's out there and what kind of, of advertisements that you're really following up with. I'm I'll, sure you get those, don't you? Sure. And the thing I like about refinancing is that on occasion it does make sense. I don't want to be a serial refinancer. Hopefully I refinance my loan once in my life. And that's kind of what we're trying to avoid people doing is serial refinancing. I, you know, Rob, you know, I do a show on Thursday nights and every once in a while I get somebody, Oh, the rate, you just said the rates are, uh, you know, whatever. And I, can I refinance? Well, you're, you have a rate that's only about a quarter percent higher. That's it, it, because they get pounded and pounded and pounded that refinances make sense by advertisements. And, and, and it creates this situation where they keep refinancing over and over and over. The, it's called a benefit to borrower rule, and it was enacted a couple of years ago to try to, to prevent people from being sucked into these refinances by lenders. One of the guests that I have on my, uh, had on my television show was a DUI attorney because – I always try to look at like different things that cost you a lot of money in your life and things that could be avoided, even gym memberships, health versus health, you know, being unhealthy and overweight hurts as much financially as having a gym membership that you don't use. Um, but he said one of the things that is pretty vile out there, you're talking about going down and checking public records is that um, when you get a DUI, it's a public record that suddenly they're going to get that information and 20 DUI attorneys are going to send massive colored, beautiful pamphlets and stuff to your house. And, you know, that's pretty intimidating. Think about like, you know, we all get upset at Google for how little secrecy or intimacy we have with our online profile. And then uh, you hear something like that, like I got to imagine murders the same way (laughs) on some level. Um, and when you when you buy a house, it's public record. When you get a loan, it's public record. And that tells you that. Yeah. That tells you that attorneys make a lot of money. They could be sending you know, big old glossy 
Well, you know, it's a formula, Rob. They they put out a thousand or ten thousand flyers to somebody's house, uh, a neighborhood, or and they get a return of one percent, and they can count on building a a database and a and a pipeline out of that, or long term relationships. Who knows? But that's it's a statistic, and I just hate being statistics. I I hate people being falling into, um, you know, these aren't traps. They're just they're just not the best advice in most cases. With that said, refis. Something that people should consider, because uh, I think they should look at their financial, their housing financial situation once a year, even if rates are going up or down. You know that one of the other pe- reasons people refinance is to reamortize. Let's say you've been in in your loan for seven years and right. you get the exact same rate that you have. Your payments are going to go down. Yeah, you're going to pay it for another thirty years, but your payments go down on a monthly basis because you're reamortizing the same loan amount or a lower loan amount for a longer term. So that's the thing about a thirty year fixed is the payment never changes no matter how much money you put into the loan. You could pay it down all the way to $10,000, but your payment could still stay based on that $400,000 original loan. So when you re-amortize that, it lowers your, your, your payment. That's why a lot of people are going into the 15 years or the 20 years because uh, they're, they're getting rid of that 5, 10 years that they, that, to get to that 15-year period, and it really helps them pay a lot less interest. And it works in reverse. So there's, again, so many ways that people can refinance. I'm a big fan of refis. <laughs> Especially if you do something smart with money, um, you know, if you lower your rate and you pay less, that's fantastic because you can save more. I don't want to go into a car. I don't want to go into a vacation. Uh, to me, it's a financial tool. So anyway, if you need a refi, contact Tony. Uh, you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Um, and you talked about checking your records once a year, your uh, real estate records. I do all my finances every Friday on a small, small level, credit cards, things like that. And then last Friday of the month, I pay all my bills. Um, I have this system that I have set up. Um, I'm not so good with taxes. Like, I don't go, hmm, I want to see what I paid in taxes last year and how I can reduce my tax liability. I know that I should, but it's just so unsexy. And I have to bring sexy back money and finances and investing. So just so you know, it's my job. When I was born, there was a big clap, and Heavenly Speaker said, you have to bring sexy back to money. <laughs> so I've been told. That's so. why you do radio, right? So that you can... I also do television. Yeah. Are you taking a shot at me? Not not trying to. Okay. It's easy. Good. Okay. Coming up, we'll be talking about divorces. We'll be talking about um, buying a new home, buying an old home. The housing industry is kind of interesting right now. One of the things that I see is there's a struggle. Uh, We're not building as many new houses as we should. Um, It's still a very, very low number, all things considered for a country that's considered a growth country as far as we're adding population. Um, That's one of the reasons you want immigration laws changed in the United States, because if you're going to be bringing people into this country, they're going to be buying houses and bringing people into this country, they're going to be paying mortgages and going to restaurants and taking jobs that maybe you don't want. So with that said, it's all about housing. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Tony Mendez and I were talking off air, and he said something fairly interesting um, about someone that he knows who's 70 and hasn't saved a penny for retirement, or almost not a penny. Right. And was there a pension involved? No pension. Uh, no 401k? No 401k, small amounts in their um, IRAs, under 20 grand, Yeah. and a l- little bit of savings. Why do you think that happens? Does he own a home? He does. Okay. And, well, there's that. And, you know, the whole thing here is that he's trying, he's reaching out to me to try to save money on a monthly basis. Right. And that's through, you know, refinancing. And, you know, it's unfortunate. He'll, he'll, he'll probably qualify and he'll probably save a couple money, uh, bucks on a monthly basis. Whether or not he uses that for the right way, I, I don't know. Still um, working. He's still working and he doesn't have any plans of retiring anytime soon. He's over 70. Do you think he wants to work? I don't think he does. I think he want, probably wants to do it. Like my parents are his age. Right. And they've, he's been retired. My dad's been, and mom have been retired for 10 years now, uh, a little bit more than that. And, and they get to travel and, you know, they get to see family and they, they're relaxed and they're stress free. They, they're not tied down to that job. So I think he would rather be doing that. It's interesting, again, that I don't get the psychology of not saving. And I have a friend who she saved a pretty good amount um, and her parents haven't. And she doesn't want to tell her parents how much she saved because she thinks her parents may think of her as the bank of my family kind of thing. Um, and she's got a sister who's not going to save a dime. Um, and again, the psychology of not being able to tell your parents something, that's pretty heavy. Like, that blows my mind. Um, but back to that guy, the best thing he could do is work. You know, if you don't have a retirement plan, get healthy and work as long as you can. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, money, investing, and more. So, eggs are about to get more expensive. I'm not saying go out and buy a lot of eggs, but California's putting into effect a law that uh, cages have to have, hen houses have to be roomy enough to allow the birds to lay down, stand up, extend their wings, and dance around. Farmers nationwide who want to continue selling to the most populous state are moving to comply with the new law, taking effect next month that requires larger cases. Wholesale egg prices already average a record $2.27 a dozen nationally, up 34% from a year ago. With the new law, the price Californians pay may jump as much as 20% for shell eggs in three to six months. Pretty crazy. Uh, we want, And again, all you have to do is study the, the food industry, and it'll make you never want to eat again. You know what conditions chickens go through. Uh, this one farmer in North Carolina, he was basically trashing Tyson's food. Um, who sells a lot of chicken. And um, he said, you know, for me to comply with their laws, you know, this is what I have to do. And he shows, you know, he brought in the media, and he's like, I, I just think it's a lot of hypocrisy that they'll go out there and say that, you know, our food is natural, our food is this, our food is, you know, we, we are the most humanely treating chicken lovers on the planet kind of thing. And he sh- the documentary is it's startling uh, what bad conditions these animals face. So it makes me honestly want to give up chicken. Um, and people under my age will give up chicken. Like, you know, it's a slow shift. It's a trend. But eggs, uh, do I want a bird to be able to stand up and flap its wings? Or do I want more expensive eggs? I'll take more expensive eggs. 
to be quite honest with you, and uh, I'll find a different way to supplement that cost. That's where I think California does get it right. We have a lot of legislation, but at least it's socially minded. It's thinking the right way. So anyway, um, back to the housing market. Uh, what not to do? You have an email that you want to discuss with me, and I'm not quite sure what this is all about. Well, it just kind of comes down to some, you know, the do's and don'ts in, in the mortgage industry, and, and especially dealing with your credit and leading up into a financing situation. And we had talked about tax timing, and that's coming up, Rob. And one of the things that people have to be aware of going into tax time when they're talking with their CPA is, is what are they writing off? Uh, it could be as as little as you know what they call 2106 expenses, unreimbursed employee expenses, which any, almost anybody could do that. You know, they have a job and they bought a, a jacket or some shoes or whatever, and they wrote it off on their – they didn't get reimbursed, so they wrote it off on their taxes. That comes right off your income. Then there's other things, like uh, we, we had a person who had a rental property, and he didn't include his rental income on, on his Schedule E for that year for some reason. And I, we all know that's wrong because he received income and he didn't claim it. But he also lost the ability to use that rental income to offset the debt on that property, and it kept him from qualifying for a house. Um, and and, and it, it's, it goes on and on. Self-employed people also run into this as well, uh, and people who have corporations that are their over 25% owner, and they get K-1 income and, and W-2 income from that. And, and there's some write-offs on, this, on the corporate returns that can hurt your income as well. So these are things that – and it hurts you for not just the year that you're doing it, but two years down the road. Because they're going to go back. A lender will go back and look at what you've done over the last two years and average that in. So you have to be really careful if you think you're going to do a transaction uh, coming up soon. The email that I'm talking about, Rob, is somebody who this person got divorced. It's, it's, it goes on my list of things not to do and, and things to be aware of. And essentially, he, he part of the agreement was that they were going to talk later about how they were going to separate the house. But he stayed on the note. So eight years later, he's out there trying to buy a house, but he's still on the note on the house that his ex-wife lives in. And bec- and she's making all the payments, but she's not on the note. So so when the lender looks at that, to him, to them, it's a rental property that he's not getting any payments from because she's making all the payments and he's on the note, so he's liable for that. So um, you know there could be a situation where he turns that into a rental before he does his taxes and claims all the income, and then he might have to pay taxes on that. So it's, you got to be really careful in situations like that. What what it all comes down to, Rob, is you have to really prepare and start thinking about all the other decisions that you make when it comes down to financial decisions. Lend, the lending industry is really going back and looking at everything. They, they, they're not missing anything. In fact, they're finding things that you probably don't even know are on your, uh, you know, that could affect you. But, I mean, it could be anything from a, a, maybe you've negotiated with the IRS to make back payments on your taxes and you, and you have an automatic withdrawal. That comes off your income. Um, and and you, can be, you have to be really careful about that and, and everything else. Yeah, and... It's it's lenders aren't stupid, but there is kind of a an assumption of guilt on you. So they're like, hey, why why do you have a thirty thousand dollar deposit? And like you need to explain that. People get offended when I when when we ask for this. And I, you know, and I I am the bearer of bad news in, in many cases, and I get the brunt of all the frustration. And it, and, it, and they as rightfully so, these people should be frustrated because. You're making good money. You have good credit score. You have good assets. You know, you've made all your payments on time, and they're going to treat you the same way as somebody else that didn't. And they're going to suspect you of fraud because you have undocumented deposits. Can I? You know, you're going to have letters from the people who deposited. The say that you're that you're self-employed, and you're putting money into your account from 
and, and maybe you didn't set it up right. You don't have a business account, but you're putting it in your personal account. And you have these deposits. They're going to question every single one of those deposits because a couple of years ago we have this this thing called the anti-money laundering rule, and they wanted us as loan officers and lenders and brokers and, and all the way down the chain to 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 follow these transactions and and account for every single dollar and where it came from to to follow these new rules. It's it's just going to keep going this way, Rob, in the industry. But yeah, they they treat you equally across the board as as guilty. A couple things I want people to do is get consistent with how they approach money and how they approach investing. One of the best things you can do, and this is something I did when I turned 18, was I opened up a mutual fund. It's a lot of paperwork. For an 18-year-old kid, it felt like a lot of paperwork. But I was like, okay, um, we've got $3,000 I can put in now. And how much could I realistically put in a month? I didn't want to do it from a paycheck because I was 18, I was in college, and didn't really have much of a paycheck. So I did it from a bank account. And every month, first of the month, they would draw $500 from my bank account. So I always had to have that in there. Otherwise, you know, they'd say, oh, your wire transfer didn't work, blah, blah, blah. But the consistency of it helped me because there was months where I was, you know, going after a girl, trying to finish school, thinking about what I'm going to do that summer, thinking about a job, and like, boom, that transaction automatically hits. Turning things on automatically really helps you successfully. And even parents could start this with kids and then let the kids take it over themselves later. Um, I do auto payments on my credit cards, so I, I don't miss a payment ever. Um, that would be horrific if I did. Like That would crush my confidence in life, and then I'd be like, oh, I'm a loser. But auto payments on car loans? Like, who writes checks anymore? Like, pe- Seriously, people with mental conditions write checks. Um, it just doesn't – there's no need for it in any way, shape, and or form. So the consistency wins all battles, and it's something you learn as a kid – you know, from one of those adages or something like that, and it, it is there's some truth to it. So if you need a loan, contact Tony, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. We'll talk about getting your offer accepted. Um, this is a competitive time to buy a home in the California Bay Area. If it's a nice home, it's crazy competitive. Um, if it's on the wrong side of the town, eh, a little less crazy competitive, but still pretty competitive. You want to get that offer accepted. Um it's funny, I was talking with a, loan, a real estate agent, and I was like, you know, I think writing a letter on a home makes a ton of sense. And she's like, I used to, one lender told me not, or one owner told me not to do it. Real estate agent representing the owner. Like, we don't want any fluffy stuff, we just want, you know, your best offer. And they didn't write the letter, and then guess who got the deal? person who wrote the letter. So, with that said, uh, fluff it up. You need some fluff in that story. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. A lot of renters say they tend to live payday to payday. 45% say they have just enough to get by. And 17% say they run out of money for basics like food and housing before the next payday. 17% of renters. Only 38% of homeowners indicated a similar financial hardship. So something about owning a home makes you less struggle or makes you struggle less. Or I was going to say makes you less struggling. Puts you in a category of struggling less. Um, 62% of people who own a home are comfortable. 38% of renters say they're comfortable. That's crazy. Um, I don't know. It's, living in the Bay Area is pretty ridiculous. You know, the different parts. I live in a highly affluent area. Not necessarily of cars, of how much people put in their home every month. Um, so I see a lot of average cars in my neighborhood. A lot of average cars, because they don't have the money left over. But they have the money for that that mortgage payment, which is mind-blowing. And you know what I see a lot of? And I should be careful what I say, because people listen to the show. I see a lot of sugar mamas. I see a lot of guys who marry women probably because of, not probably because first and foremost the money, but there's that component there. So, I'm uh, just saying. I'm not saying guys aren't pulling their own weight, but anyhow, um, what do you think about these negative aspects of renting? Um, you know, renting is, is interesting, and, and I've never really told people that renting is bad or good. I think it's all about your financing. Your, your, is it positive or negative for you? Uh, if you One of the statistics on that survey, it shows that 90% of the people um, say it's something that they could be proud of. I, I, I get that, but uh, 80%, 80% still think it's an investment in real estate is a way to build wealth. So, uh, But you can look at it both ways. As a renter, you're paying less. Yeah, you're, you think you're throwing money away, but a house is expensive in the Bay Area. So I think that if you were to take that survey and just narrow it down to the Bay Area, I think you're going to see that uh, people are more comfortable and have more money by renting, although there are some high rents here. But we just got some relief just recently that the rents in San Francisco, San Jose, and Oakland have, have actually slowed down as increases. The national increase was 6% year over year, uh, which is crazy that rents are going up that much every year. But it's slowing down a little bit. Um, renters eventually want to buy a house, and I think that's the ultimate goal. And, and if you're renting and you're just getting by, you're never going to buy a house. You know, that's 17% you talked about. And then you have 17, the other percentages that are saving money or very comfortable where, they at, where they're at. I think you have to look at the Bay Area, though, as, as people are looking for a lifestyle, Rob, and they're looking at the, the price of the houses in, to keep their lifestyle, and that's why they rent. Difference between a homeowner and a renter, the recent storm. Homeowners are out there clearing their gutters. Homeowners are out there watching floods. Renters are like, who cares? Who cares? It's not my problem. It's the landlord's they problem. They send a picture of their gutter overflowing and to their landlord, and then they, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So there's a little bit of that, you know, freedom from maintenance. But, you know, don't, don't, let, it, don't let it overflow. Just let it overflow to spite your uh, landlord because your goods, if they get flooded... It's going to be deductible on that renter's insurance or homeowner's uh, renter's insurance in this case, which, again, is something everyone should have, although I think very few people do have. Yeah, they, they, definitely. Renter's insurance is very important. Who knows what... Did you ever, when you were younger, rent a place and the guy says, oh, you got to get renter's insurance and get renter's insurance, and then you show it to him and then you cancel it the next day? 
build. No, I never did that. God, I had a landlord once, and we could do a whole show on bad landlord stories. He would come into the unit, go into the backyard, and pee. He wouldn't pee in my toilet. He would pee in my backyard. Or in his backyard. <laughs> I guess is another way of putting it. Um, really, really cheap. It's marking his territory. I guess so. So... Um, there was another thing that he did was he had, there was some extra storage space, like, uh, in a stairwell and, you know, every now and then this was me and two other people would rent, we would like store like bikes there or something like that. Cause it was inside and out from the rain and, you know, he got freaked out one day and moved, he moved it all outside as if like you're renting, you know, the house, not the, the stairwell underneath the space underneath it. Like, like the, the common area, just a, yeah. pretty aggressive. So I don't know. Definitely do a whole show on that if we had to. Yeah, yeah. You got any good bad landlord stories? Not that I can think of. I got a um, good bad tenant story. I had a. I rented a place when I was 25 that the guy would come by, one, the landlord would come by once a month, go up into the attic and take one of those jacks and crank it like that with a big chain that was connected to both sides of the house to keep the house from separating. Wow. So that was pretty interesting. And when he couldn't make it, he'd call us and we'd go up there and pump the, the jack. My bad tenant story uh, was the tenants before the current tenants in my home in Raleigh. And uh, it was a young couple, and they had a they had bad credit. Quite honestly, they had bad credit. And I, I'm out in California. And, you know, my renter, what was the person, my manager, rent manager? Property manager. Property manager. Said, yeah, they're a young couple, and dad, her dad is a priest, and he's like a co-sign too. And uh, I was like, sure, why not? You know, it, I've been a young couple in a bad position before, so so I put them in, and within two weeks, I like, oh, and they're engaged. And then about a couple months later, I learned that they had only known each other for two weeks before they got engaged, and he starts going crazy on her. Um, he would call me in the middle of the night and say, you know, uh, my company's working on this nuclear energy product that's fusion, and it's going to put oil companies out of business, and... It ends with me getting them kicked out, um, but there was fecal matter, poop smeared on the walls, the whole house smelled of weed, which I'm not going to say is a bad thing, but when the house stinks of it and it's ingrained in the wall smell, that's not good. Being a property owner, not the most fun thing in the world. I'm Rob Black, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoneSource.com. So Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 
1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Yesterday, the market ended very, very defensively. It's been a very defensive week. That is, is oil. It's fallen fast. So we can't lose that view that it's been defensive. Gains were well below what had been registered earlier in the session. As you know, we fight back and we try to, you know, we go lower, we hit a low, we come back you know, get 50% and 25%. So we're, we're watching this. We started with a really, there was a really good report this week and at the end of last week. Jobs report at the end of last week was stellar. And this morning, the or not this morning, but this week, we got really a strong retail sales number, which with the lower price of gasoline, should only get better in the United States. And with employment numbers improving, retail, I mean, that's a magical combination. I think everyone should consider owning Costco for a long-term patient investment, kind of like Nike, kind of like Disney. They just do things right. So there's some chatter out there, you know, $1.1 trillion spend bill. I haven't gotten close enough into it to give a good opinion. Market also seems to be more fixated on oil than anything else. The IEA has a hand in that news. They cut the outlook for 2015 oil demand by 230,000 barrels per day. Lower expectations for Russia and other oil exporting countries. The IEA news isn't shocking news. We've seen the OPEC cut expectations. I mean, it's pretty well known at this point in time. The effect of lower energy prices is pretty evident in the PPI report for November. showed a 2% decline in the final demand. That was the third monthly decline in the last four months, excluding food and energy core producer price index unchanged. So the PPI report is not going to help the Fed's inflation mandate, which is to say it is a data point that the FOMC you know, reserved about rushing to raise the Fed funds rate. China reported a weaker-than-expected 7.2% year-over-year increase in industrial production, down from 7.7% in October. Spain reported its CPI declined four-tenths of a percent year-over-year, which, while I'm on Spain for a second, uh, Google has announced that they were pulling out of Russia, and ultimately it's a communist country, and you know, they keep being told what they can and can't you know, show people on the Internet. So Google says we're out. Google's out of China for the same exact reason. Google's basically leaving Spain as a Spanish law came into effect this week that says anytime you show news related to a published article that someone pays for, you have to you know give them a royalty or something. So Google's out on that. A lot of countries, a lot of European countries don't like Google. A lot of European countries don't like Google. And it's not something you would think of, you know. It's not something like, uh, we're so passive. Like, Google makes my life easier. Oh, 
So I met this wonderful new guy. Let's take a look at him on Google and find out, like, ooh, good God. His old, uh, what was the thing before Facebook? Uh, MySpace. His, his old My, MySpace profile is up in, uh, let's just put it this way. He, he was a male dancer for Chippendales? Who knew? <laughs> you know? That would probably be my biggest fear if I were a woman meeting a man and finding out about his past. It was that he was a Chippendales dancer. Something about that just, unless you're Chris Farley, you can't pull it off. You just can't pull it off. With all the talk about relative strength in the U.S. economy, there is some interesting and peculiar action taking place. High yield spreads are widening. The treasury yield curve is flattening. Um, Industrial commodities, oil and copper, are slumping bad. So Freeport, McMoran, and Copper, it's gold and copper. If you think the world's going to improve at this point in time, you buy FCX. If you think it's going to continue to hurt, you, you short it. It's one of those industrial plays that's just almost a perfect canary in the coal mine, so to speak. Let's take a look at some market numbers today. Uh, S&P 500's down. Dow's down. Not much. Gold um, sitting at 1220 an ounce. 10-year treasury. Let's see how our good friend the 10-year treasury is doing. 2.101. Holy mackerel. Again, I'm a financial nerd, and I'll gladly and totally admit that. Um, anytime the 10-year treasury is under 4%, 3.5% of my stock. So right now, I'm my allocation in my 401k for buys is all stocks. I have no bonds, no cash, all stocks. Uh, the cost of money is too cheap. And what you can get on a bond, just not worth it to me. Uh, plus, I've got time. As I get older, that statement will change. I promise you that. But if we go back to January... You know, we started the year at like 2.8, 2.9, almost 3%. We got just to 3. We got to 2.9.8, 2.9.8.1. Oh, we got to 3 back in, you know, December of 2013. And since then, it's been slowly and gradually going lower, which is surprising because our economy has been slowly, gradually getting better over the last 12 months. The world economy has gradually been getting worse over the last 12 months. And then this week, oil just fell out of bed. I mean, there's just, there's no other way of saying it. It's it's ugly. Oil just flat out, I'm not going to use the word crashed because I think that's too way too serious of a word. Um, hard slump, aggressive sell-off. Aggressive sell-off is probably the best. But, you know, it's the curves are going different ways. It's a 45-degree slant down on the 10-year treasury. I don't like being at 2.11%. That's telling me there's something really wrong in the world economies. Um, it shouldn't be at 2.11 based on what we're seeing in economic news in the United States. But obviously the ramifications here is that uh, stronger dollar. But that you know at some point in time, we're going to have to start having some problems. And I think that's, that's fair. Um, we don't want Russia to collapse. Part of us would love it, but they do a lot of business with Americans, and Americans do a lot of business with them. So that's worthy of note. Um, China is slowing, and China's so frustrating because you don't ever feel like you get a real true reading on China. Um, but oil is it's too. It's not, I'm not going to say it's too low because we're going to get a great benefit from it. Airlines and uh, 
retail at Costco, amazing benefit from it. Uh, Disney's going to get a benefit from it because people will say, let's pack up the car and go to Disneyland. They'll drive. Um, when you're saving $80 to $200 on a trip of gasoline, it's a pretty big economic boost for the world economies. Um, so West Texas crude hit $58 today. It cracked the $60 ceiling or floor. Um, Wall Street likes big round numbers. I don't. It drives me kind of crazy, to be honest with you. You know, um, Dow 11,000, Dow 12,000, Dow 13,000. Those kind of numbers, I I think, hurt more than do good as far as reporting on them. Uh, We'll take a break here. I'm talking all things financial. I'm Rob Rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.